1: No upfront charge for site build, after which
0: ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
1: And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. you You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: i Slater, America's the greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. Uh, a lot to talk about today, obviously. We will talk about the debate that was the other day. I'll break down a couple important things on that that I haven't heard anyone do in uh, last week. But I want to start here. I think this is important. so the latest police shooting that everyone's outraged about nationwide uh, happened right here in San Diego. Uh, specifically El Cajon it's about 15 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. It's a city of about 100,000 people, but considered a uh, considered San Diego. My big takeaway for the sake of this show, and I'm gonna break down a lot of specific things here, but for the sake of this national show, it is so fascinating to see how the national media tells this story. And because I'm here on the ground, because I've talked to witnesses, because I know the mayor, he listens to my local show every day, like we're we're close and I know the people involved. I know the area. It is amazing how wrong they are. Every national media outlet I've seen, they're not even close. Not even close. And I'll break all that down here in a minute. But if that's true for this shooting, then that's also got to be the case for every other shooting too, right? Or at least most of them. And the national media is just it's like they're talking about a totally different thing. And I think of this sometimes, um, rarely, there'll be like a newspaper article about me or, or I'm quoted in some article and they have the quote totally wrong. <laughs> and and, and I, I think that and I'm like, holy cow, I spoke very slowly. If, if I'm ever being interviewed by a reporter, I talk as slowly Like literally this, I'll talk as slowly as is necessary for them to write down every single word correctly. That's how I talk to to reporters. Otherwise, they shorthand it and they get it totally wrong. But I think if they still get my quotes wrong, then they've got to get every quote wrong. Still today. So this happened on Tuesday afternoon still today I'll see headlines man having seizure shot by El Cajon police for acting erratically no not at all that's not what happened at all people called police because a man was acting erratically And they shot him because he would not take his hand out of his pocket. So he could have been concealing a weapon. And then when he did, he pointed his hands at the police officers in a shooting stance. His hands right out in front of him as if it was a gun. And the police were standing just a few feet away from him. And he pointed it right at the police. And it turns out what was in his hand, it wasn't a gun, but it was a vape. um, Like like an e-cigarette kind of thing, like a vape, whatever they call it. Um, that has a three inch long barrel that's an inch in diameter. So it looks pretty much exactly like a gun and pointed that directly at the police officers who at the time were already pointing their guns at him. Like what the heck that is to, that is- to say a man having a seizure was shot by Oklahoma police makes it seem as if the guy was having a seizure and the police rolled off and just like, boom, 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 like shot him in the head. Like, Whoa, like that's not it at all. At all. Unbelievable. Now, and again, even the best, you know, at best, the media will say unarmed black man killed by police officers, but that doesn't even share the story. That's not what happened. Let me, let me take a quick break. Let me take a quick break. I'm, it's so, the whole thing is so sad. You know, there's five main emotions. There's mad, sad, glad, afraid, and ashamed. There's the five main emotions. Every other emotion branches off one of those five. After the shooting, it's just, I'm sad. I hate that these things keep happening. I hate for everyone. I hate it for, Alfred Longo is the name of the man. I hate it for the police officers. I hate it for everyone's families involved. I'm just sad that this piles onto the narrative that that just sets us backwards. I'm sad that this brings out the worst in in people, which leads to riots and and stuff like that. Al Sharpton's group—I don't know if Al Sharpton himself—but Al Sharpton's group is marching through the streets of El Cajon right now, as I speak, literally. And it's just—it's a mess. And I just—I I hate all of it. And there is a deeply grieving family. So this man, he's a refugee from Uganda, came here in 1991, his family. Um, and they came from a war-torn country. So two days ago, his mom gave this heartbreaking press conference about how they, they escaped war. Right? They lived as refugees in refugee camps, and it was miserable, and they escaped war, and they're so happy to be in America. And then this happens to the family, and they're so distraught. And you watch that, oh, I mean, it's, everyone in San Diego, heart was breaking. It was terrible. But then you get people like Al Sharpton. Now, not him specifically, but there's an Al Sharpton protege here in San Diego uh, who's just got to rabble rouse it and turn it into something it's not. You know, my local producer, when this happened, he, he said, all right, well, how do we want to cover this? Do we want to talk to um, groups that mentor Poor kids, so that they can be put on the right track, and it's like, well, no, that's not what this is. Uh, do we want to do we want to talk to groups, organizations that help uh, homeless people? No, that's not what this is. Do we want to uh, talk to organizations that help felons uh, get job training so that they can be employed? No, that's not what this is either. This is none of those things. This isn't any of the narrative that anyone wants it to be. It just and excuse the language. It just sucks. That's it. It just it's just awful. Now, I want to get into some specifics about how the media is wrong about it. Not just the general unarmed black man. Like that, And by the way, the officer who shot him was Hispanic. And then there was another officer there who was black, who had a stun gun. They both pulled the trigger at the same time. Because the guy pulled his hands out with this vape and uh, pointed at the officer. So they both saw the same thing at the same time as they fired their weapons. Um, but some specific things about... Real quick, does that make sense? What I explained? Like, this is not two officers roll up on a black guy, shoot him in the head... And then three more times, just for good measure. This is guy, uh, he, apparently he, he lost his best friend, so he was having a bit of a mental breakdown. And he was staggering, having a difficult time, hand in his pocket, told to get his hands out of his pocket. He wouldn't do it, kept staggering, kept moving, finally does, and, and he, turn, he does like a quarter turn, and then spins around. Listen, if anyone does that, if anyone points an object that looks like a gun at a police officer, you're going to get shot. So to say it's an unarmed black man, that's just not the whole story. So some specific things. Right when this happened, it was amazing how quickly bad information travels, how quickly rumors travel. Right away, people are saying his hands were in the air. Right away. There was one guy on video, a a, a witness, who said his hands were in the air and he was saying, don't shoot. Well, now we have video and that never happened. There was a video of someone standing by and there was security camera uh, footage from the taco stand next door. Their hands were never up. Hands were never up. So that information spread quickly. Again, there was this thing about him having a seizure, right? Which creates this perception that he was literally having a seizure when he was shot. That's, that's not what happened at all. There was this, this rumor that all the cell phones of everyone nearby were confiscated by police. That never happened. Amazing how quickly th- these things, these spread that just didn't And then the media just takes it and runs with it. I'll give you another example. And this one's a little more benign, but still uh, there's something in police jargon called a 5150. This is when uh, the 911 operator based on the person who calls 911 believes that there's, there's a mental Mental issue going on. Like someone's mentally ill or mentally unstable, or there's something psych-related that happens that that's happening, uh, and they tell that to the police officer. Fifty-one fifty. Now, what happened from that point forward is the media kept saying the man's mentally ill. The man's mentally ill. The man's mentally ill, and that creates an image in your head. Well, he wasn't mentally ill. He didn't have long-term mental illness issues. He was having an emotional breakdown at the moment because of his best friend's death, but he wasn't mentally ill. So now we have this characterization of a mentally ill man having seizure shot by police. No, he wasn't mentally ill. He was having a mental breakdown, which is just in the moment. Now, the mental illness thing, people are taking that and, and going with, well, geez, listen, if he's mentally ill, why didn't police just you know come up and uh you know talk to him give him a hug and it's like no, it's not that way. we've talked to law enforcement officers who say when they get a fifty one fifty their awareness goes up because they it, anything could happen next. it could be someone who's depressed sitting on the the curb, and yeah, you go up to them and you just talk to them. or it could be someone who's suicidal, it could be someone who's on something it could be someone who's like just Way more out of control and irrational. So police officers, when they get a fifty-one fifty, it's not oh someone depressed. It's it could be anything. So their guard, their awareness goes higher because it's a fifty-one fifty. I don't know. I know. I know. I'm getting in the weeds here, but and you think we'll later? I'm in. I'm in Michigan. What does this mean? It's just been really interesting to see now that this has come to my town where I live how wrong the media is so you the national media so you just have to assume you have to assume that when you see the next one of these happen anywhere else in the country you have to assume that almost everything they're saying is not true and i don't even it doesn't even have to be uh like they're Oh, they're, they're lying to you it doesn't even, i mean yes yeah, sometimes but sometimes it's just they're just wrong like the whole thing about him being mentally ill i i can see how a reporter would think that right it's a fifty-one-fifty call those are for people who are mentally ill it's a mentally ill person uh, well no i mean you jump to a conclusion there that's not true right? that's more just the way it goes sometimes but it's a, it's just wrong everything's wrong <laughs> everything they've been saying is wrong wow um, Something to think about next time it happens 1-888-933-93 now there are some bigger issues here that i do think are worth uh, chatting about we'll do that next mike slater show the blaze radio network spread the word
4: You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
5: Mike Slater!
3: All right, last more chat about this. Um, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. A uh, black police officer, actually. And... He gave me this book. It's called Unbeatable Mind. It's by Mark Devine. Mark Devine is a baller. Uh, he's the founder of Seal Fit. He was a Navy SEAL for like 10 years. He's the founder of a, a brewing company here in San Diego as well. The guy's just baller. So my buddy gave me this book and he said, just turn to page 26 and just read whatever I highlighted. So I, I want to read this part here and it'll all make sense here in a second. We'll bring it back around to what happened in the police shooting and, and just what's going on in our cities in general. And forever. It's true for everyone too. Uh, so this is Mark Devine. So Navy SEAL. So I know this is going to sound like a bunch of kind of new age hooey stuff, but um, I don't know. He's a SEAL, so he's baller, more baller than me. Quote, when we get stuck in our heads, we tend to slide into negativity. Imagine your mind to be like a mirror. Negativity, false stories, fear. These things cloud the mirror, making it difficult to see yourself and reality with accuracy. And then he talks about how to stop with the negative self-talk. And he says, when you first begin to still your mind, you will notice maybe for the first time, how habitually you harbor negative, weak thoughts and negative negativity will likely return. Unless you redirect your mind to a new positive, positive thought pattern. Now, again, I know that sounds kind of goofy, but think about it like this. Imagine you're an eight year old boy. Imagine you're an eight year old boy. You don't know your father. You never met him. Your mom is absent from your life because she's working two jobs to make ends meet i remember we talked to the with a guy one time uh that was the scenario his dad was gone and his mom he he never saw him because she was working so hard to make ends meet and she he hated his mom when he was a kid because she was never around now he gets it he understands what she was doing and loves her for it but at the time um he didn't get it so you're going to be doing poorly in school obviously and it's a terrible school anyway you're going to you're forced to go to so you act out Right? Well now you, uh, you're told you're a troublemaker, right? You're told you'll never make it. You're told you're you're you know, you're the worst. And then the people around you, family members, people in the community, I mean, they're not doing anything with their lives. You see drugs every day, negativity is glorified. Objectifying women is glorified. And if you're a girl, objectifying yourself is glorified, and it goes on and on and on. What do you think's gonna happen? What do you think's gonna How can you, if that's your situation, how can you be anything other Than what you see all day. How can you be anything different. Than what you tell yourself you are all day. And that is unloved and worthless and trash. And because of that. And every day that's what you say to yourself. Because that's what everyone around you is saying to yourself. Whether actually or with their actions. That's all you're surrounded by. You live down to that. Obviously. And then you're stuck in the churn. This is why one of my... um, one of the charities that we work with closely, most closely on our local show, they help homeless families. The, one of the first things they teach you is how to love yourself, how to talk positively about yourself and your future and to try to spark back up some hope. And the reason I bring this up is because this is where churches need to play a bigger role, not just in our cities, but everywhere, everywhere. Because once you realize that you're loved by Jesus, then it, Completely changes everything in this broken world. Changes everything. When you realize Jesus loves you, then you can start to love others. I'll end on this Uh, last. This whole last week, I've been reading um, on my radio show some more Martin Luther King Jr. stuff, just because it makes sense. Now everyone loves MLK, right? Is there anyone who doesn't like Martin Luther King Jr.? Anyone who I mean, listen, even if you don't like him for whatever reason. Can we agree he was a change maker? Can we agree that he was one of the most influential people and is today one of the most widely known and respected people in the world? People all around the world know Martin Luther King Jr. Why? Because he spoke the truth. How? I read a, a speech last week, actually before any of this even happened in San Diego. And the line, he says something like, um, you know, you may be able to speak with the, with the tongues of angels, but if you don't have love, it means nothing. And you may be the smartest person in the world, but if you don't have love, it means nothing. And you may give all your money to feed the poor, but if you don't have love, it means nothing. And you may give your body uh, uh, to be a martyr, but if you don't have love, then your blood was spilt in vain. And I remember I read that last week about something totally different. And everyone who heard it was like, oh, wow, that's a really good line. That's great. That's really powerful. Yeah, that's First Corinthians 13. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's, now, you know... I'm actually going to a wedding tonight. You know, every every wedding, they read 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 4. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, the line before that is, if I speak in the tongues of angels, but do not love, then I am a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but if I do not have love, it's nothing. If I can possess everything I have and give it to the poor but I do not have love I gain nothing Martin Luther King Jr. was just rewording scripture that's most of his scriptures or that's most of his speeches most of his speeches is just rewording scripture which is fine I'm not, I'm not like calling him out like, if you're, if you're going to reword anything that's what you should reword but the reason it worked is because it's, that's the truth that's why it was so powerful that's why it was so influential. That's why it was so effective. Yesterday in El Cajon, 42 church leaders in East County, San Diego, which is where this is, uh, got together, had a big prayer meeting uh, outside the police station in El Cajon. It's awesome. We need more of that. All different types of people. Goodness gracious, of course. But they all had one thing in common. That's the most important thing. Churches need to step up and all types of churches and and churches need to stop doing the whole well this is our church and that's your church kind of. You know, especially when it comes to community things, I mean we can talk about different doctrines and whatever, but when it comes to community things like this man we gotta tear those walls down and we gotta come together and we gotta make a difference in people's lives and prevent these types of things and, and the violent reactions that come from them, prevent them before they even happen one 933 wanna talk next about a uh, concern I have with police departments we'll do it next Mike Slater just Spread the word
1: This is Mike Slater Part of the next generation Of talk
4: radio On the Blaze Radio Network
3: So this is uh, something I'm legitimately worried about uh, when it comes to policing in our country. Well, we're going to talk about the debate coming up in the next hour. Um, if this keeps happening, where every police shooting, every police shooting is characterized as something that it is not. right? So this situation in El Cajon, right outside San Diego, if you're just tuning in where I'm living right now, where I am right now. You have a uh, a man who has his hand in his pocket, was non-compliant, did a quarter turn, pulled his hand out of his pocket, and 100% took a shooting stance with his arms outstretched in front of him, and in his hand was a, a vape, like e-cigarette kind of thing, which looks just like a gun. And he gets shot. A Hispanic officer shoots him with a gun, and then at the same, exact same time, a black officer shoots him with a stun gun, the, the, and the man was black himself. And... The narrative—that's what happened—and the narrative is unarmed black man having seizure killed by cops. That's like, like that. No, that's not what happened at all. But it doesn't matter. Reality doesn't matter. Now, if this keeps happening, and if officers who are involved in these things, at the very least, lose their jobs, uh, maybe even go to jail, as the mobs want them hung from the tall tree. No matter what actually occurred, what does that mean for the future of policing? LAPD, there was an officer-involved shooting just recently where a man was running at police with a nine-inch knife, and the police shot and killed him. The police commission was critical of the officers because they did not redeploy to create more distance. Now, the union for the police officers are saying, hold on. Are you saying these officers should have run? Like, run away? Like, so you have two options. If you're going to run away, you're either going to turn your back and run, which is a bad idea, or you're going to run backwards. You're going to trip over something. That's a terrible idea, too. How do you know where you're going? That's what, so the, the, the unions of the police department are saying, whoa, LAPD, what are you doing? You are caving to absurd political pressure by telling police officers essentially to run away from threats either turning your back and running or running backwards. Either way, it's insane. Okay, that's LAPD. So that's just a step towards what I'm worried about, which is complete withdrawal. So imagine, and by the way, this is not my concern. I was talking to a couple of police officer friends who brought this up. Imagine if there's a burglary. As the burglary officer shows up, they want to arrest this person. The burglar has his hand in his pocket. Maybe there's a gun in there or a hand in his waistband. And police are now faced with two options. You can either do what police officers do now or run and <laughs> leave and say, ah, oh, it's over. It's over because if the officers stay and the man whips out his gun or something that looks like a gun and the officers shoot him. Well, another police shooting of an unarmed black man. Well, is that what actually happened? No, that's not what happened. But it doesn't matter what actually happened. No matter what happens, it's officers shoot unarmed black man. Right? So if every police shooting is police shooting an unarmed black man and, and the mob is going to want to, you know, string you up. I mean, who, who's going to want to do that? Like the, the only option then is to run. And as soon as a threat looks like it might turn into something that could be turned into police shoot unarmed black man, the police officer is just going to be like, it's not worth it. I'm out of here. It's sort of like high speed chases, right? So this is what police, at least in Southern California, have decided to do with high speed chases. They don't really do them anymore. Um, I mean, they used to be, they used to happen all the time and now they just don't. Uh, So this is from Popular Mechanics Magazine. Quote, few. And they're explaining why there's no more police chases really anyone few who flee the police are violent felons instead they're usually 20 something males with bad driving records a classic california highway patrol study from the early 80s showed that just five percent of those who fled from highway patrol officers had been charged with an armed offense previously and just 0.3 percent had been convicted and when chases end badly taxpayers foot the bill for a multimillion-dollar court ruling Workers' compensation costs for injured officers and replacing expensive cruisers. So police departments have decided, you know, listen, if someone starts, you know, does a high speed and they they try to leave, uh, let them go. Now, you may say that's probably for the best because you're putting a lot of people in jeopardy, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But what if that happens with all policing? What if that happens with all policing where if something looks... If something gets to the point where no matter what happens, it could possibly be characterized as police shoot on our black man. Police are just like, not, I'm not, not touching it. And it turns out to be just like what they do with high speed chases. Like, let it go. Fine. We'll, we'll, we'll catch them next time. What happens then? And you're saying, what's well, What if, what if the person is, is, uh, is actually armed? It doesn't matter. The truth doesn't matter. Because if the police officer shoot him, it's still going to be spun as police shoot unarmed black man, even if he is armed. So criminals are going to know that all you have to do is escalate something and police are going to be too scared to do anything in response. That's wild. And that could be reality. So if we get to that point, police may not show up to anything at all. I'm take an early break here i want to come back with a longer segment next um that's just something to think about i don't know if that's going to happen quickly i don't know if that's more of a long-term thing if we keep going down this road uh but something to put in the back of your mind i want to come back next and talk about experience and understanding each other's experiences which i think we need a lot more of and then we'll come back and talk about the debate one 933 93 slater radio on twitter mike slater show the blaze radio network spread the word
4: You're listening to
1: Mike Slater
4: on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Here's another example of where did I read this? Uh, I can't find it. I just lost it. But another example of just national news missing the story because they're not on a local. They don't get it on a local level. And, and, and my same argument when I kicked off the show with like, if that's true with this story, and I know this is true because I am on the local level of it. That's got to be true for every story. Like the national media must always get it wrong or always at least be very, very incomplete. So, example, um, uh, headline here somewhere I don't have in front of me, but it was. Uh, San Diego newspaper endorses Democrat for president for the first time in its 143-year history, and it's true. Yesterday or two days ago, the San Diego Union-Tribune, that's our newspaper, uh, endorsed Hillary Clinton for president. First time. Now UT's always been a conservative paper, so they've always endorsed the Republican until Hillary Clinton. First time in 143 years. You want to know the proper context to that? About six months ago, our newspaper was bought by the LA Times. So L- the L.A. Times now runs the U.T. editorial board. So, <laughs> so it's a different paper. I mean, it's a different thing now. It's not what it was before. So, but no one has that context. That basically, it's just the L.A. Times now. But anyway, I want to play this clip here. I think we may have played it before. Um, I was uh, so. Let me start over. We had an officer-involved shooting here outside San Diego on Tuesday. It's been the theme of our whole show all week. A black man called in. His name's Barry. We had an amazing call. Amazing, amazing conversation. And the conclusion was, I will never be able to understand Barry's experience. But none of us really will be able to understand other people's experiences fully. Can't. Right? I can't understand Barry's experience. Barry can't understand my experience of being accused of being a racist no matter what I do. Right. So we all, we all have things, right. And it's forget about the race part, right? Do you know what it's like to have your dad die in your arms? Do you know what that's like? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I do. So we all have different experiences that we may not be able to fully fathom and understand. And that's okay. It's okay. It doesn't make anyone bad or evil or wrong. I I think we need to understand that we and admit that we don't understand everyone else's experiences, but that's what empathy is. I value people who want to learn more. Uh, Good friend of my local show. His name's Kit Cummings. You've heard him here on this show. Uh, He runs the Power of Peace Project. It's basically a prison ministry, but they do other things, not just in prisons. And he just he wanted to be around people. Who were angry and upset and marching in the streets. He just wanted to, he wanted to feel it. He wanted to take it in. He didn't get it. He doesn't understand it because that's not his life, but he's like, I just wanna, I wanna I wanna know what this is like. So he marched with, I think it was somewhere in Atlanta. And that's good, I value that. That's awesome. Doesn't mean he agrees with him, but he's like, I'm gonna take this in, I'm gonna learn more. Here's another man who decided to learn more. His name's Jarrett Maupin. We've may have played this clip before, but it's worth playing again. This is just about a year ago. He is a Black Lives Matter leader, an anti-police leader in Phoenix, like, like, like hardcore anti-police marches, not just Black Lives Matter, but we hate the police guy. And it, it all started because police, uh, there was an officer involved shooting, uh, in Phoenix and that's what sort of got him fired up and he hates police. So the police invited him to go through a training for an afternoon. Do a little, a little police simulation for a day. And he took him up on it. Good for him. Here's a local news report about what happened.
6: We want his badge. We want his gun. We want his job.
7: Today, he accepted an invitation to look at things from the other side, agreeing to go through a force-on-force training session with the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office. Three scenarios where you have to decide to shoot or not shoot. Scenario one what, what is a call about a man kind of casing car cars in a parking lot. Uh, Moppin right approaches right? the man and starts asking questions.
6: Look. You're looking for your vehicle. What kind of car do you drive? What kind of car, car, car do you drive?
3: It's
7: my car, man. Oh. Moppin, the officer, is
6: shot. It happens that fast. At what time did you think that it was time for you to address the use of force that was uh, given? When he came to the back of the vehicle... Okay. uh and and was hiding you know I could sense something something was wrong
7: scenario two a call of two men fighting what's going on today
6: gentlemen huh? what's, going, whats wrong with you what's going on today gentlemen what, what do you want? what's happening here what's wrong with Back up huh what are oh. you doing man hey hey he shouldn't, we, approach, we. We he shouldn't approach me. he we
3: shouldn't approach me shouldn't approach me he shouldn't approach what happened me in
6: there yeah what are you doing you just shot him? Oh. Hey, he rushed me. Tell me why you shot. Well, I, I've shot because he was within that zone. You know, I felt there was a, an imminent threat. I, I didn't necessarily see him armed, um, but he he came clearly to do some harm to, uh, to the officer, or to my person. It's hard to make that call. It's a, it shakes you up.
7: Again, an unarmed man was shot. Scenario three, a call about a possible burglar walking down the street. Maupin gets him on the ground. He's not complying.
6: I need you to keep your hands up, sir. For what? Because I need to check that waistband. Well, what? What are you doing? Because I don't know hey, what you have under there. Everybody, look at this guy. What are you doing?
7: No shots fired. Huh? But the suspect did have a hidden knife in his waistband. I went through the scenarios, too, without seeing what Maupin did. So, uh, do you have keys or uh, do you have anything you show me that? Yeah, don't worry about no, I need to talk to you. Come on, come on out over here. I'm dead. Maricopa County Sheriffs, get on the ground. Get on the ground. Both of you, get on the ground. Get on the ground. For what? Get back. Get back. Same results for both of us. Things happen very fast out here. I asked Maupin what his biggest takeaway from this exercise will be.
6: I didn't understand how important uh, compliance was. But, but after going through this, yeah, my attitude has, has changed. Uh, it, this is all unfolding in, in 10 to 15 seconds. Um, people need to comply with the, with the uh, orders of law enforcement officers for their own sake.
3: Amazing, right?
7: Thanks to the Miracle wow. County Sheriff's Office for uh, taking us through that today. That, it was an eye opener. That's a tremendous
0: uh, admission that that Reverend Moppin just made. Right, you need to comply for your own
7: safety. Right, and he saw it. I mean, he plainly shot a man who was not armed, but was coming at him, and he felt you know that he was unsafe at that point. That he was coming after him, and and he fired. Do you think it changes the way he? approaches these issues going forward he says he's going to go out into the community and say what he said at the very end there you have to comply with what police officers tell you let everything sort out at the end but just do what they tell you right then and sort things out afterward interesting let
3: stop there so um, <clears throat> i mean that's amazing isn't it so an activist takes one afternoon to find out what it's like on the other side from a police officer's perspective and he completely changes his tune fascinating someone called in at my local show yesterday and since later, uh, a couple of years ago, my buddy was pulled over by a police officer, was shot and killed by the police officer. And I was distraught and outraged. And I went to the police station and I, I, I'm suing everyone. Like, this is outrageous. My, my friend would never do anything that would ever result in, in needing to be shot in any way at all. He, was, he would never hurt a fly. A couple of weeks went by and the police officers showed him the dash cam video and it turns out this guy's buddy when pulled over got out of the car ran after the cop with a with a uh, screwdriver and the police officer shot and killed him and this guy said what the heck man what are you doing and he apologized to the police officer i i, I bet if everyone did what this activist did and just even thought, right? It's just whether it's Black Lives Matter protesters, you know, going through police training or police living a day as a black person in a, in a ghetto or white people do whatever, right? If we all would think for a second, have a little more empathy, it would increase our understanding, it would decrease tensions, increase trust. These are the things we need more of and it would prevent a lot of this stuff from happening. We'll talk about the debate next. Mike Slider Show, Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
1: You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Say there's America's the greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. Uh, a lot to talk about today. Obviously we will talk about the debate that was the other day. I'll break down a couple important things on that that I haven't heard anyone do in uh, last week. But I want to start here. I think this is important. So the latest police shooting that everyone's outraged about nationwide uh, happened right here in San Diego. Uh, specifically El Cajon. is about 15 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. It's a city of about 100,000 people, but considered, a, uh, considered San Diego. My big takeaway for the sake of this show, and I'm going to break down a lot of specific things here, but for the sake of this national show, it is so fascinating to see how the national media tells this story and because I'm here on the ground, because I've talked to witnesses, because I know the mayor, he listens to my local show every day, like we're we're close, and I know the people involved, I know the area, it is amazing how wrong they are. Every national media outlet I've seen, they're not even close, not even close. And I'll break all that down here in a minute, but if that's true for this shooting then that's also got to be the case for every other shooting too, right? Or at least most of them. And the national media is just, it's like they're talking about a totally different thing. And I think of this sometimes, um, rarely, there'll be like a newspaper article about me or or I'm quoted in some article and they have the quote totally wrong. (laughs) And and, and I, I think that and I'm like, holy cow, I spoke very slowly If I'm ever being interviewed by a reporter, I talk as slowly, like literally this, I'll talk as slowly as is necessary for them to write down every single word correctly. That's how I talk to to reporters. Otherwise, they shorthand it and they get it totally wrong. But I think if they still get my quotes wrong, then they've got to get every quote wrong. Still today. So this happened on Tuesday afternoon. Still today, I'll see headlines. Man having seizure shot by El Cajon police for acting erratically. No. Not at all. That's not what happened at all. People called police because a man was acting erratically. And they shot him because he would not take his hand out of his pocket. So he could have been concealing a weapon. And then when he did, he pointed his hands at the police officers in a shooting stance, his hands right out in front of him as if it was a gun. And the police were standing just a few feet away from him. And they po- he pointed it right at the police. And it turns out what was in his hand, it wasn't a gun, but it was a vape, um, like like an e-cigarette kind of thing, like a vape, whatever they call it, um, that has a three-inch long barrel that's an inch in diameter. So it looks pretty much exactly like a gun and pointed that directly at the police officers who at the time were already pointing their guns at him. Like, what the heck? That is, to- that is to say a man having a seizure was shot by Oklahoma police makes it seem as if the guy was having a seizure and the police rolled up and just like boom, 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 like shot him in the head. Like, whoa, like that's not it at all. At all. Unbelievable. Now, and again, even the best you know, at best, the media will say unarmed black man killed by police officers. But that doesn't even share the story. That's not what happened. Let me, let me take a quick break. Let me take a quick break. I'm, it's so, the whole thing is so sad. You know, there's five main emotions. There's mad, sad, glad, afraid, and ashamed. There's so the five main emotions. Every other emotion branches off one of those five. After the shooting, I ju- it's just, I'm sad. I hate that these things keep happening. I hate for everyone. I hate it for Alfred Longo is the name of the man. I hate it for the police officers. I hate it for everyone's families involved. I'm just sad that this piles onto the narrative that, that just sets us backwards. I'm sad that this brings out the worst in, in people which leads to riots and, and stuff like that. Al Sharpton's group. I don't know if Al Sharpton himself, but Al Sharpton's group is marching through the streets of El Cone right now. As I speak, literally. And it's just, it's a mess. And I just, I hate all of it. And there is a deeply grieving family. So this man, he's a refugee from Uganda, came here in 1991, his family. Um, and they came from a war torn country. So two days ago, his mom gave this heartbreaking press conference about how they, they escaped war, All right? They lived as refugees in refugee camps and it was miserable and they escaped war and they're so happy to be in America. And then this happens to the family and they're so distraught and you watch that. Oh, I mean, it's everyone in San Diego heart was breaking. It's terrible. But then you get people like Al Sharpton. Now, not him specifically, but there's an Al Sharpton protege here in San Diego, uh, who's just got to got to rabble rouse it and turn it into something it's not. Yeah, you know, my local producer, when this happened, he he said, "All right, well, how do we want to cover this? Do we want to talk to um, groups that mentor?" poor kids so that they can be put on the right track and it's like well no, that's not what this is uh do we want to do we want to talk to groups organizations that help uh homeless people and no, that's not what this is do we want to uh, talk to organizations that help felons uh get job training so that they can be employed no that's not what this is either this is none of those things this isn't any of the narrative that anyone wants it to be it just excuse the language it just sucks that's it, it just it's just awful Now, I want to get into some specifics about how the media is wrong about it. Not just the general unarmed black man. Like that, And by the way, the officer who shot him was Hispanic. And then there was another officer there who was black who had a stun gun. They both pulled the trigger at the same time. Because the guy pulled his hands out with this vape and uh, pointed at the officer. So they both saw the same thing at the same time as they fired their weapons. Um, but some specific things about... Real quick, does that make sense? What I explained? Like, this is not two officers roll up on a black guy, shoot him in the head... And then three more times, just for good measure. This is a guy, uh, he, apparently he, he lost his best friend, so he was having a bit of a mental breakdown. And he was staggering, having a difficult time, hand in his pocket, told to get his hands out of his pocket. He wouldn't do it, kept staggering, kept moving. Finally does, and, and he, turn, he does like a quarter turn, and then spins around. Listen, if anyone does that, if anyone points an object that looks like a gun at a police officer, you're going to get shot. So to say it's an unarmed black man, that's just not the whole story. So some specific things. Right when this happened, it was amazing how quickly bad information travels, how quickly rumors travel. Right away, people are saying his hands were in the air. Right away. There was one guy on video, a a, a witness, who said his hands were in the air and he was saying, don't shoot. Well, now we have video and that never happened. There was a video of someone standing by and there was security camera uh, footage from the taco stand next door. Their hands were never up. Hands were never up. So that information spread quickly. Again, there was this thing about him having a seizure, right? Which creates this perception that he was literally having a seizure when he was shot. That's, that's not what happened at all. There was this, this rumor that all the cell phones of everyone nearby were confiscated by police. That never happened. Amazing how quickly th- these things, they spread that just didn't And then the media just takes it and runs with it. I'll give you another example. And this one's a little more benign, but still uh, there's something in police jargon called a 5150. This is when uh, the 911 operator, based on the person who calls 911, believes that there's there's a mental Mental issue going on. Like someone's mentally ill or mentally unstable, or there's something psych-related that happens that that's happening, uh, and they tell that to the police officer. Fifty-one fifty. Now, what happened from that point forward is the media kept saying the man's mentally ill. The man's mentally ill. The man's mentally ill, and that creates an image in your head. Well, he wasn't mentally ill. He didn't have long-term mental illness issues. He was having an emotional breakdown at the moment because of his best friend's death, but he wasn't mentally ill. So now we have this characterization of a mentally ill man having seizure shot by police. No, he wasn't mentally ill. He was having a mental breakdown, which is just in the moment. Now, the mental illness thing, people are taking that and, and going with, well jeez, listen, if he's mentally ill, why didn't police just you know come up and uh you know talk to him give him a hug and it's like no, it's not that way we've talked to law enforcement officers who say when they get a fifty one fifty their awareness goes up because they it, anything could happen next. it could be someone who's depressed sitting on the the curb, and yeah, you go up to them and you just talk to them. or it could be someone who's suicidal, it could be someone who's on something it could be someone who's like just Way more out of control and irrational. So police officers, when they get a fifty-one fifty, it's not oh someone depressed. It's it could be anything. So their guard, their awareness goes higher because it's a fifty-one fifty. I don't know. I know. I know. I'm getting in the weeds here, but anything else later? I'm in. I'm in Michigan. What does this mean? It's just been really interesting to see now that this has come to my town where I live. How wrong. The media is so you the national media. So you just have to assume you have to assume that when you see the next one of these happen anywhere else in the country, you have to assume that almost everything they're saying is not true. And I don't even it doesn't even have to be uh, like they're oh They're they're lying. to It doesn't. I mean, yes, sometimes, but sometimes it's just they're just wrong. Like the whole thing about him being mentally ill. I, I can see how a reporter would think that. Right. It's a 5150 call. Those are for people who are mentally ill. It's a mentally ill person. Uh, well, no. I mean, you jump to a conclusion there. That's not true. Right? That's more just the way it goes sometimes. But it's a, it's just wrong. Everything's wrong. <laughs> Everything they've been saying is wrong. Wow. Um, Something to think about next time it happens. 1-888-933-93. Now there are some bigger issues here that I do think are worth uh, chatting about. We'll do that next. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
4: You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Slater. All right. Last more to chat about this. Um, I was talking to a friend about this the other day, a uh, black police officer, actually. And he gave me this book. It's called Unbeatable Mind. It's by Mark Devine. Mark Devine is a baller. Uh, he's the founder of Seal Fit. He was a Navy SEAL for like 10 years. He's the founder of a, a brewing company here in San Diego as well. The guy's just baller. So my buddy gave me this book and he said, just turn to page 26 and just read whatever I highlighted. So I want to read this part here and it'll all make sense here in a second. We'll bring it back around to what happened in the police shooting and and just what's going on in our cities in general and forever. It's true for everyone too. Uh, So this is Mark Devine. So Navy SEAL. So I know this is going to sound like a bunch of kind of new age hooey stuff, but um, I don't know. He's a SEAL. So he's baller, more baller than me. Quote, when we get stuck in our heads, we tend to slide into negativity. Imagine your mind to be like a mirror. Negativity, false stories, fear. These things cloud the mirror, making it difficult to see yourself and reality with accuracy. And then he talks about how to stop with the negative self-talk. And he says, when you first begin to still your mind, you will notice maybe for the first time how habitually you harbor negative, weak thoughts. And negativ- negativity will likely return unless you redirect your mind to a new positive, positive Thought pattern. Now, again, I know that sounds kind of goofy, but think about it like this. Imagine you're an eight-year-old boy. Imagine you're an eight-year-old boy. You don't know your father. You never met him. Your mom is absent from your life because she's working two jobs to make ends meet. I remember we talked to the the guy one time. Uh, That was the scenario. His dad was gone, and his mom, he, he never saw him because she was working so hard to make ends meet. And she he hated his mom when he was a kid because she was never around now she, he gets it. he understands what she was doing and loves her for it, but at the time, um he didn't get it, so you're going to be doing poorly in school, obviously, and it's a terrible school anyway you're going to that you're forced to go to, so you act out right well now you uh, you're told you're a troublemaker, right you're told you'll never make it you're told you're you're you know you're the worst and then the people around you, family members, people in the community, I mean they're not doing anything with their lives. You see drugs every day. Negativity is glorified. Objectifying women is glorified, and if you're a girl, objectifying yourself is glorified. And it goes on and on and on. What do you think's going to happen? What do you think's going to? How can you, if that's your situation, how can you be anything other than what you see all day? How can you be anything different than what you tell yourself you are all day, and that is unloved and worthless and trash? And because of that, and every day, that's what you say to yourself, because that's what everyone around you is saying to yourself, whether actually or with their actions. If that's all you're surrounded by. You live down to that, obviously. And then you're stuck in the churn. This is why one of my, um, one of the charities that we work with closely, most closely on our local show, they help homeless families. The, one of the first things they teach you is how to love yourself, how to talk positively about yourself and your future and to try to spark back up some hope. And the reason I bring this up is because this is where churches need to play a bigger role, not just in our cities, but everywhere, everywhere. Because once you realize that you're loved by Jesus, then it completely changes everything in this broken world. It changes everything. When you realize Jesus loves you, then you can start to love others. I'll end on this. last. This whole last week, I've been reading... Um, on my radio show, some more Martin Luther King Jr. stuff, just because it makes sense. Now, everyone loves MLK, right? Is there anyone who doesn't like Martin Luther King Jr.? Anyone who do- I mean, listen, if, even if you don't like him for whatever reason, can we agree he was a changemaker? Can we agree that he was one of the most influential people and is today one of the most widely known and respected people in the world? People all around the world know Martin Luther King Jr. Why? Because he spoke the truth. How? I read a, a speech last week, actually before any of this even happened in San Diego. And the line, he says something like, um, you know, you may be able to speak with the, with the tongues of angels. But if you don't have love, it means nothing. And you may be the smartest person in the world, but if you don't have love, it means nothing. And you may give all your money to feed the poor, but if you don't have love, it means nothing. And you may give your body uh, uh, to be a martyr. But if you don't have love then your blood was spilt in vain. And I remember I read that last week about something totally different. And everyone who heard it was like, "Oh wow, that's a really good line. That's great. That's really powerful." Yeah, that's 1 Corinthians 13. Like that's <laughs> that's, that's now you know I'm actually going to a wedding tonight. You know, every every wedding they read 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. That's 1 Corinthians 13:4. 1 Corinthians 13:1, the line before that is If I speak in the tongues of angels but do not love, then I am a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but if I do not have love, it's nothing. If I can possess everything I have and give it to the poor, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Martin Luther King Jr. was just rewording scripture. That's most of his scriptures. or That's most of his speeches. Most of his speeches is just rewording scripture which is fine. I'm not, I'm not like calling them out. Like, if you're, if you're going to reword anything, that's what you should reword. But the reason it worked is because it's, that's the truth. That's why it was so powerful. That's why it was so influential. That's why it was so effective. Yesterday in El Cajon, 42 church leaders in East County, San Diego, which is where this is. I uh, got together, had a big prayer meeting. Uh, outside the police station, El Cone, it's awesome. We need more of that. All different types of people. Goodness gracious, of course, but they all had one thing in common. That's the most important thing. Churches need to step up, and all types of churches, and and churches need to stop doing the whole "well, this is our church and that's your church" kind of you know, Especially when it comes to community things. I mean, we can talk about different doctrines and whatever, but when it comes to community things like this. Man, we got to tear those walls down, and we got to come together, and we got to make a difference in people's lives and prevent these types of things. And, and the violent reactions that come from them prevent them before they even happen. 1-888-933-93. Want to talk next about a uh, concern I have with police departments? We'll do it next. Mike Slater shows. Spread the word.
1: This is Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio. On the
4: Blaze Radio Network.
3: So this is uh, something I'm legitimately worried about uh, when it comes to policing in our country. We're going to talk about the debate coming up in the next hour. Um, If this keeps happening, where every police shooting, every police shooting, is characterized as something that it is not. Right? So this situation in El Cajon, right outside San Diego, if you're just tuning in where I'm living right now, where I am right now, you have a uh, a man who has his hand in his pocket, was non-compliant, did a quarter turn, pulled his hand out of his pocket, and 100% took a shooting stance with his arms outstretched in front of him, and in his hand was a, a vape, like e-cigarette kind of thing, which looks just like a gun. And he gets shot. A Hispanic officer shoots him with a gun, and then at the same, exact same time, a black officer shoots him with a stun gun, the, the, and the man was black himself. And... The narrative, that's what happened, and the narrative is unarmed black man having seizure killed by cops. That's like, well, like that. no, it, that's not what happened at all. But it doesn't matter. Reality doesn't matter. Now, if this keeps happening, and if officers who are involved in these things at the very least lose their jobs, uh, maybe even go to jail as the mobs want them hung from the tallest tree, no matter what actually occurred, what does that mean for the future of policing? LAPD, there was an officer-involved shooting just recently where a man was running at police with a nine-inch knife, and the police shot and killed him. The police commission was critical of the officers because they did not redeploy to create more distance. Now, the union for the police officers are saying, hold on. Are you saying these officers should have run? Like, run away? Like, so you have two options. If you're going to run away, you're either going to turn your back and run, which is a bad idea, or you're going to run backwards. Or you're going to trip over something. That's a terrible idea, too. How do you know where you're going? That's what, so the, the unions of the police department are saying, whoa, LAPD, what are you doing? You are caving to absurd political pressure by telling police officers essentially to run away from threats either turning your back and running or running backwards. Either way, it's insane. Okay, that's LAPD. So that's just a step towards what I'm worried about, which is complete withdrawal. So imagine, and by the way, this is not my concern. I was talking to a couple of police officer friends who brought this up. Imagine if there's a burglary. As a burglary, officer shows up. They want to arrest this person. The burglar has his hand in his pocket. Maybe there's a gun in there or a hand in his waistband. And police are now faced with two options. You can either do what police officers do now or run <laughs> and leave and say, ah, oh, it's over. It's over because if the officers stay and the man whips out his gun or something that looks like a gun and the officers shoot him. Well, another police shooting of an unarmed black man. Well, is that what actually happened? No, that's not what happened. But it doesn't matter what actually happened. No matter what happens, it's officers shoot unarmed black man. Right? So if every police shooting is police shooting an unarmed black man and, and the mob is going to want to you know string you up, I mean, who, who's going to want to do that? Like the, the only option then is to run and as soon as a threat looks like it might turn into something that could be turned into police shoot unarmed black man, the police officer is just going to be like, it's not worth it, I'm out of here. It's sort of like high-speed chases, right? So this is what police, at least in Southern California, have decided to do with high-speed chases. They don't really do them anymore. Um, I mean, they used, to be, they used to happen all the time, and now they just don't. Uh, so this is from Popular Mechanics Magazine. Quote, few, and they're explaining why there's no more police chases really anyone few who flee the police are violent felons instead they're usually 20 something males with bad driving records a classic california highway patrol study from the early 80s showed that just five percent of those who fled from highway patrol officers had been charged with an armed offense previously and just 0.3 percent had been convicted and when chases end badly taxpayers foot the bill for a multi-million dollar court ruling Workers' compensation costs for injured officers and replacing expensive cruisers. So police departments have decided, you know, listen, if someone starts, you know, does a high speed and they they try to leave, uh, let them go. Now, you may say that's probably for the best because you're putting a lot of people in jeopardy, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But what if that happens with all policing? What if that happens with all policing where if something looks... If something gets to the point where no matter what happens, it could possibly be characterized as police shoot on our black man. Police are just like, not, I'm not, not touching it. And it turns out to be just like what they do with high speed chases. Like, let it go. Fine. We'll, we'll, we'll catch them next time. What happens then? And you're saying, well, Slater, what, if, what if the person is, is, uh, is actually armed? It doesn't matter. The truth doesn't matter. Because if the police officer shoot him, it's still going to be spun as police shoot unarmed black man, even if he is armed. So criminals are going to know that all you have to do is escalate something and police are going to be too scared to do anything in response. That's wild. And that could be reality. So if we get to that point, police may not show up to anything at all. I'm taking an early break here. I want to come back with a longer segment next. Um, that's just something to think about. I don't know if that's going to happen quickly. I don't know if that's more of a long-term thing if we keep going down this road, uh, but something to put in the back of your mind. I want to come back next and talk about experience and understanding each other's experiences, which I think we need a lot more of. And then we'll come back and talk about the debate. one 933 93 Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
4: You're listening to
1: Mike Slater
4: on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Here's another example of where did I read this? Uh, I can't find it. I just lost it. But another example of just national news missing the story because they're not on a local. They don't get it on a local level. And, and, and my same argument when I kicked off the show with like, if that's true with this story, and I know this is true because I am on the local level of it, that's got to be true for every story. Like the national media must always get it wrong or always at least be very, very incomplete. So example, um, uh, headline here somewhere I don't have in front of me, but it was, uh, San Diego newspaper endorses Democrat for president for the first time in its 143 year history. And it's true. Yesterday or two days ago, the San Diego Union Tribune, that's our newspaper, uh, endorsed Hillary Clinton for president. First time. Now, UT's always been a conservative paper. So they've always endorsed the Republican until Hillary Clinton. First time in 143 years. You want to know the proper context to that? About six months ago, our newspaper was bought by the LA Times. So L- the L.A. Times now runs the U.T. editorial board. So, <laughs> so it's a different paper. I mean, it's a different thing now. It's not what it was before. So, but no one has that context. That basically, it's just the L.A. Times now. But anyway, I want to play this clip here. I think we may have played it before. Um, I was uh, so. Let me start over. We had an officer-involved shooting here outside San Diego on Tuesday been the theme of our whole show all week a black man called in his name's Barry we had an amazing call amazing amazing conversation and the conclusion was I will never be able to understand Barry's experience but none of us really will be able to understand other people's experiences fully can't right? I can't understand Barry's experience Barry can't understand my experience of being accused of being a racist No matter what I do. Right. So we all, we all have things, right. And it's forget about the race part, right? Do you know what it's like to have your dad die in your arms? Do you know what that's like? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I do. So we all have different experiences that we may not be able to fully fathom and understand. And that's okay. It's okay. It doesn't make anyone bad or evil or wrong. I I think we need to understand that we and admit that we don't understand everyone else's experiences, but that's what empathy is. I value people who want to learn more. A good friend of my local show, his name's Kit Cummings. You've heard him here on this show. Uh, He runs the Power of Peace Project. It's basically a prison ministry, but they do other things, not just in prisons. And he just, he wanted to be around people. Who were angry and upset and marching in the streets. He just wanted to, he wanted to feel it. He wanted to take it in. He didn't get it. He doesn't understand it. Because that's not his life, but he's like, I just wanna, I wanna f I want to know what this is like. So he marched with, I think it was somewhere in Atlanta. And that's good. I value that. That's awesome. Doesn't mean he agrees with them, but he's like, I'm gonna take this in, I'm gonna learn more. Here's another man who decided to learn more. His name's Jarrett Maupin. We may have played this clip before, but it's worth playing again. This is just about a year ago. He is a Black Lives Matter leader, an anti-police leader in Phoenix, like, like, like hardcore anti-police marches, not just Black Lives Matter, but we hate the police guy. And it, it all started because police, uh, there was an officer involved shooting, uh, in Phoenix and that's what sort of got him fired up and he hates police. So the police invited him to go through a training for an afternoon do a little a little police simulation for a day and he took him up on it good for him here's a local news report about what happened
6: we want his badge we want his gun we want his job
3: today he accepted an
7: invitation to look at things from the other side agreeing to go through a force on force training session with the maricopa county sheriff's office three scenarios where you have to decide to shoot or not shoot Scenario one what, what is a call kind of about a man kind of casing car cars in a parking uh, lot. Moppin approaches right? the man and starts asking questions.
6: Look. Uh, have your your you're gun. looking for your vehicle. What kind of car do you drive? What We're kind, you're kind of car do you drive? It's my car, man. Oh.
7: Moppin, the officer, is shot. It happens that fast.
6: At what time did you think that it was time for you to address the use of force that was uh, given? When he came to the back of the vehicle... Okay. Uh and and was hiding. You know, I could sense something something was wrong.
7: Scenario two. A call of two men fighting. What's,
6: huh? What's going on today, gentlemen? What's What's going on today, gentlemen? What do you want? What's happening here? What's wrong with Back you? What are you doing, man? Hey! Hey, you he shouldn't, we he shouldn't approach me. He we we shouldn't approach me. me. He we shouldn't approach me. Arguing. He, he shouldn't approach what happened me. In there. Yeah. What are you doing? You just shot him? Oh. Hey, he rushed me. Tell me why you shot. Well, I, I've shot because he was within that zone. You know, I felt there was a, an imminent threat. I, I didn't necessarily see him armed, uh, but he he came clearly to do some harm to uh, to the officer, or to my person. It's hard to make that call. It's a it shakes you up again.
7: An unarmed man was shot. Scenario three, a call about a possible burglar walking down the street. Maupin gets him on the ground. He's not complying.
6: I need you to keep your hands up, sir. For what? Because I need to check that waistband. Well, why? What are you doing? Because I don't know what you have under there. Everybody, look at this guy. What are you doing?
7: No shots fired. But the suspect did have a hidden knife in his waistband. I went through the scenarios, too, without seeing what Maupin did. uh, Do you have keys or uh, do you have anything you show me at? No, I need to talk to you. Come Come on out over here. Well, I'm dead. Maricopa County Sheriffs! Get on the ground! Get on the ground! Both of you, get on the ground! Get on the ground! For what? Get back! Get back! same results for both of us things happen very fast out here. I asked Mopin what his biggest takeaway from this exercise will be
6: I didn't understand how important uh, compliance was but but after going through this yeah my attitude has has changed uh, it, this is all unfolding in, in 10 to 15 seconds. Um, people need to comply with the with the uh, orders of law enforcement officers for their own sake.
7: Amazing, right? Thanks to the Miracle wow. County Sheriff's Office for uh, taking us through that today. It that, was an eye-opener. That's a tremendous
0: uh, admission that, that Reverend Maupin just made. Right. That you need to comply for your own safety.
7: Right, and he saw it. I mean, he plainly shot a man who was not armed but was coming at him, and he felt you know that he was unsafe at that point, that he was coming after him, and, and he fired. Do you think it changes the way he approaches these issues going forward he says he's going to go out into the community and say what he said at the very end there you have to comply with what police officers tell you let everything sort out at the end but just do what they tell you right then and sort things out afterwards
4: interesting
3: we stop there so um <clears throat> i mean that's amazing isn't it so an activist takes one afternoon to find out what it's like on the other side from a police officer's perspective and he completely changes his tune fascinating someone called into my local show yesterday and since later, uh, a couple of years ago, my buddy was pulled over by a police officer, was shot and killed by the police officer. And I was distraught and outraged. And I went to the police station and I, I, I'm suing everyone. Like, this is outrageous. My, my friend would never do anything that would ever result in, in needing to be shot in any way at all. He, was, he would never hurt a fly. A couple of weeks went by and the police officers showed him the dash cam video and it turns out this guy's buddy when pulled over got out of the car ran after the cop with a with a uh, screwdriver and the police officer shot and killed him and this guy said what the heck man what are you doing and he apologized to the police officer i i, I bet if everyone did what this activist did and just even thought right it's just whether it's black Lives Matter protesters you know going through police training or police living a day as a black person in a a ghetto or white people do whatever right if we all would think for a second have a little more empathy it would increase our understanding it would decrease tensions increase trust these are the things we need more of and would prevent a lot of this stuff from happening we'll talk about the debate next mike slater show blaze radio network spread the word
1: You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Uh, I just looked up at the TV. Tennessee is losing to Georgia 17 to nothing. Uh, that's brutal. Hold on. About to throw it in the end zone. What are you doing? No! Jump! Down! Oh, did, hey, got it. All right, 17-7. Um, All right, let's chat some more specifics about the debate. Last hour was a little more, uh, I don't know, psychology and stuff like that. Uh, Let's talk about some some actual things that were said and some real policy and stuff like that. Uh, Let's start here with a clip. This is a shorter one, clip 1111, good sir.
2: And I think it's important to look at what we need to do to get the economy going again. That's why I said new jobs with rising incomes, investments, not in more tax cuts that would add $5 trillion to the debt. But you have but no plan. Educate. Oh, I do. Secretary, in fact, you I have, have no plan. I have a book about it. It's called Stronger Together. You yeah, can pick it up that's tomorrow about all you folks, at a m- bookstore or at an airport near you. We're going to move to uh, But it's because I see this. We need to have strong growth. Fair growth, sustained growth. We also have to look at how we help families balance the responsibilities at home and the responsibilities at business. So we have a very robust set of plans, and people who have looked at both of our plans have concluded that mine would create 10 million jobs and yours would lose us 3.5 million jobs. All
3: right, all right. Who, who is the person... I don't I don't know this person. <laughs> Who's the person who believes when a politician says, Well, well my plan <laughs> like anything after that, those two words. Like if my, my I just I, I shut off my brain. Like there's no I don't believe you. I don't care what you follow that up with. Well my plan will. No it won't. Just period and no it won't. Hillary, my plan will create 10 million new jobs. His will result in the loss of three million. Who is listening to that? And is like, oh, wow. Okay, well, I, uh, I, I much prefer gaining 10 million jobs than losing three. So I, I vote. I'm with her. Who is that person? That that is a zero on the critical thought scale. If if you if you take a politician's word for it when they say my plan will. No, it won't is the only proper response. I can take any tax plan, any tax plan that a politician proposes. I can leave some things out. I can put emphasis on other things and I can come to any conclusion that that politician wants about what the effect of it will be. You can find an economist to write whatever you want as easily as you can find a doctor in California who can give you a medical marijuana card. I don't know if you know this, by the way, but it's something absurd. I'll look it up during the break. What percentage of teenagers have medical marijuana cards in California to treat their glaucoma. We have a epic glaucoma, a, a, a huge pandemic of glaucoma here in California with all the kids who have medical marijuana cards. Okay, They hand them out like candy. So you can find an economist who's much of a hack as the doctors who hand out medical marijuana cards to 18-year-olds. Every time the minimum wage is proposed, the left will find some economist who says raising the minimum wage is going to result in the creation of 10 million more jobs which is absurd because it's never resulted in the creation of any jobs. Crazy. Anyway. Um let us play. <laughs> oh, this is a good lesson here. Yeah, yeah, let's do this one. Um I want to analyze uh, uh, so, cuz I was critical of Trump kind of in the last segment. Um not really kind of. Uh here is something he did well when it comes to taking control of the conversation. Clip, uh, eleven twelve, 12 sir. You are going, to
5: approve, Actually, you are going to approve one of the biggest tax cuts
2: in history. Actually, can we pause it a quick?
3: Let's pause it. So as you want, listen to this clip, which is a minute, see if you can pick out the moment where the energy of the room changes. It, it's, it's a point where Trump... Takes control and, and you can feel it. If you, if you listen closely, you can you can point it out. Now, whether you can actively point it out or not doesn't matter. I mean you subliminally feel it. Everyone feels this change. The question is whether or not you can you notice it actively. But but here, play it again and uh see if you can notice the, the tone change.
5: The biggest tax increases in history. You are gonna drive business out. Your regulations are a disaster, and you're gonna increase regulations all over the place. And by the way. My tax cut is the biggest since Ronald Reagan. I'm very proud of it. It will create tremendous numbers of new jobs. But regulations, you are going to regulate these businesses out of existence. When I go around, Lester, I tell you this, I've been all over. And when I go around despite the tax cut, the, thing, the things that business and people like the most is the fact that I'm cutting regulation. You have regulations on top of regulations and new companies cannot form and old companies are going out of business and you want to increase the regulations and make them even worse. I'm going to cut regulations, but I'm going to cut taxes big league and you're going to
3: raise taxes big league. End of story. All right, so that was a great riff from Trump, one of the best. If he kept that energy and tone the whole time, he would have won, no doubt. Um, but did you catch the power move there, the energy change? It's when he said, listen, when I go around, Lester, I tell you, you know this. When I go around and talk to business owners, and he went on and told a little story. Let, let, me, let me be more clear. So um, I'm going to share with you three, three examples here. I'm saying the same thing in each example. You tell me which is more powerful. You tell me which is more influential. Example one. Regulations hurt businesses. Okay. Is that, is that, a, is that an influential statement? Does that change any, anyone's mind? Regulations hurt businesses. Like Okay. That's not influential at all. Number two. Lester, you know this. When I go around and talk to small business owners, they tell me that regulations are the number one thing that's killing their business. Much more powerful. Much more influential. And the the little addition of Lester, you know this. To tie this back into the last hour, what Trump did with the Lester thing was he boxed Hillary out. Right? Right? He was talking to Hillary, and then he said, all right, forget about you, Lester. Now he's talking to Lester. Lester, you and I know this, right? And he was talking just to him and uh, him and uh, Trump and Lester there, as opposed to Trump and Hillary, right? So there's a good energy shift in the room there. But it was also effective because he talked about business owners who he's talked to. Very effective. Now, let me, let me kick it up a notch here. This is uh, persuasion number three. He says, Lester, let me tell you something. I was in Michigan yesterday, met a guy there, Charlie, he owns a factory. He makes mufflers for Ford cars. Now, not only is Ford leaving because of so many regulations, but Charlie's company can't stay in business because the EPA knocked on his door one day and said, Charlie, you have to pay a hundred thousand dollar a year tax to dispose of hazardous materials. And Charlie said, I don't even have hazardous materials. And the EPA said, well, now you do. Because we determined that mufflers are hazardous to the environment. Or whatever, I'm making it up. That's a foolish regulation. And Hillary, you want to pile more and more of those on the American people. I just made that example up. I don't know what that is, if that's real or not. But They're all the same thing. Which is it more influential for people? Well, the one that's more concrete, the one that's more specific. So three examples. Regulations are businesses. And then Trump was like, kind of started to tell a story. And then the third example I just made up is a is a specific story. Trump was the second one on that list, right? Which is very good. But it could be a little bit better. And hopefully in the next few debates, he, he can uh, come up with a very specific story. I mean, there's millions of examples of regulations hurting businesses. So come out with one, and it'll be convincing. All right, one more clip in this segment. Eleven thirteen.
4: The Fundamental difference between the two of you concerns the wealthy. Secretary Clinton, you're calling for a tax increase in the wealthiest Americans. I'd like you to further defend that. And, Mr. Trump, you're calling for tax cuts for the wealthy. I'd like you to defend that. And this next two-minute answer goes to you, Mr. Trump.
5: Well, I'm really calling for major jobs because the wealthy are going to create tremendous jobs. They're going to expand their companies. They're going to do a tremendous job. I'm getting rid of the carried interest provision. And if you really look, it's not a tax, it's really not a great thing for the wealthy. It's a great thing for the middle class. It's a great thing for companies to expand. And when these people are going to put billions and billions of dollars into companies, and when they're going to bring two and a half trillion dollars back from overseas, where they can't bring the money back because politicians like Secretary Clinton won't allow them to bring the money back because the taxes are so onerous and the bureaucratic red tape is so bad. So what they're doing is they're leaving our country and they're, believe it or not, leaving because taxes are too high and because some of them have lots of money outside of our country and instead of bringing it back and putting the money to work because they can't work out a deal to and everybody agrees it should be brought back instead of that they're leaving our country to get their money because they can't bring their money back into our country because of bureaucratic red tape because they can't get together because we have a we have a president that can't sit them around a table and get them to approve something and here's the thing republicans and democrats agree that this should be done two and a half trillion i happen to think it's double that it's probably five trillion dollars that we can't bring into our country lester and with a little leadership you'd get it in here very quickly and it could be put to use on the inner cities and lots of other things and it would be beautiful but we have no leadership and honestly that starts with secretary clinton all right
3: so this is a, a, a good example and there are worse examples later in the debate. I'm going to be critical of Trump here. Um, he's just, he's got to, he's got to get to the point. <laughs> so the Frank Luntz focus group, the one, they use three words to describe Trump. One of them sloppy. That's what that is. That it's just, it's what they mean to say when someone says sloppy, what they really mean is he just didn't get to his point quickly. He wasn't concise. Later in the debate, when he explained the birther stuff, it took him like like that, that. was like a four minute answer, and he should have responded in ten seconds. When it came to his taxes, another example like it, sh- it was two minutes. It should have been two seconds. The repeating himself, he does. He repeats himself a lot. That's fine. It's just so long winded, and that comes across as sloppy. Brevity is key, says the person who talks on the radio for three hours, four hours a day. If you can make your point as quickly and succinctly as possible, the better. Now, let's so imagine this. You want to go from point A to point B, right? You want to go from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Now, maybe you can go from point A to over here and then to point B. You can do a little, a little pit stop along the way. And you can even meander along the way, right? The regulation example that I gave a couple minutes ago, right, uh, about the guy in Michigan who owns the muffler store, who used to sell mufflers to Ford. That's a that's a meandering like I'm I'm taking my time from point A to point B. I'm going to get there, but but I'm taking my time I'm going to tell a little story along the way. But the last thing you want to do is what Trump did in the last segment, which is go from point A to point D to point K to point J to point Z back to X over to A. And I forgot. And then he trips and falls and kind of lands sort of close to point B. Like that's that's just it just comes across as sloppy. And that's what people heard. So if he can tighten that up by the next couple of debates, uh, he's got the message, right? He's got the message and there's policies there that are right. Uh, he's just got to get there quicker. All right, so there's a couple of things. one 933 93 Now I want to come back and, and rip Hillary to shreds with this absurd trickle-down nonsense. Uh, I'm so sick of this. Uh, so we'll break that down next. Mike Slater, show the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike
4: Slater.
1: We'll continue in a moment on the Blaze Radio Network. 888 900 Mike Slater is on.
2: You have what is called now the Trump loophole because it would so advantage you and the business you do. You've proposed Who gave a, it an name? approach First that Who has gave a it that $4 our, billion Clinton tax Clinton. benefit for your family. And when you look at what how much, you are proposing, how much for my it is, Lesser, how much? as I said, trumped up, trickle-down. Trickle-down did not work. It got us into the mess we were in in 2008 and 9. Slashing taxes on the wealthy hasn't worked, and a lot of really smart, wealthy people know that. And they are saying, hey, we need to do more to make the contributions we should be making to rebuild the middle class. I don't think top-down works in America. I think building the middle class, investing in the middle class, Making college debt free so more young people can get their education, oh, I helping can't take it right. people right. stop refinance
3: their. What's that? Right. First, we'll stop, we'll stop, we'll stop. Making college debt free. What does that even mean? What literally? What does that mean? Making college debt free. Debt free? Like, so not free, but debt debt. I don't. I don't get that. But here's what I bring this up. One, you know this. You know one of my biggest pet peeves is when people talk about trickle down economics. And Hillary just kicked it up a notch with trumped up trickle-down economics. There is no such thing as trickle-down economics, ever. There has never been a single conservative or free market economist who has ever called for any such thing in any way whatsoever. Any nonsense that anyone spouts that says we're cutting taxes on rich people only for the benefit of rich people have zero understanding of how the economy works. None at all. No idea of how jobs are created. And this is why Trump had one great line in there when he said something like, it's about time we have someone in the government who understands money. Now, we've done this example a million times, but I'll go through it quickly here. I got four minutes. This is how free market capitalism actually works. You tell me if this is trickle down economics. When a business starts, let's say a bookstore, the business owner takes out a loan or has Bunch of money saved up. What do they do with that money? They pay the landlord where they're going to put the bookstore. They pay the utility companies, the electric companies, the water companies. They pay lawyers. They pay consultants. They pay the book distributors. They pay employees, a lot of employees. They pay the delivery people who deliver the books. They're paying everyone. There's constantly money just flowing out of the bookstore. And maybe, maybe by the grace of God, someone will walk in And buy a book. And then maybe another person will walk in and buy a book. Maybe. Probably not. Most people will walk in, read it, leave. Most people are going to walk in and say, ah, I don't want. And most people are going to walk in and buy it on Amazon. But maybe you'll get someone who will come in and buy one of your books. And maybe over a long period of time, enough people will come in where that you actually start to make money. You probably won't almost very, very few small business owners ever do make money, but you might actually make money if you're fortunate enough. And if you work hard enough, what's trickle down about that? Tell me, because you know what? In the, let's say three years before the owner of the bookstore ever makes any money, everyone else is getting paid. The employees, the book distributors, the delivery men, the utility company, the landlord, everyone's getting paid. And the owner is only getting paid if they start to make a profit. That's it. In the meantime, everyone else is getting paid, which to me sounds a lot like trickle up. Right? The rich person has money to invest. They pay everyone in the hopes that maybe one day they'll get some money in the end. There's a store back where I grew up. And I think every town has this. There's one storefront where no matter what business goes in there, it never works. It's like why did why what what is it about that one store that doesn't work? So we were downtown a couple of years ago. My dad and I walked in and we're like, oh, what's this new store? And it was like a it was like a like an Irish Irish themed clothing store or something. And we walked in and the sweaters there were ugly and like two hundred bucks. And my dad and I we we left and we were like, how many sweaters do they need to sell in order to break even today? What do they need to sell? I don't know four sweaters. A hundred, I have no idea. And every day someone walks in, looks at the sweaters and then walks out without giving the owner any money at all. And the owner, it was the owner who worked there. And I feel so bad. I still feel so bad for that person because every day they go to work praying that someone shows up and gives them money in exchange for a sweater. I have one, they are be like, oh, I pray God, please have someone buy a sweater today, please. And someone walks in, their hopes get up and then they walk out without a sweater every day. And they're hoping that one day in a couple of years, they'll still have enough people coming in that they'll be able to actually make money from this enterprise. And they didn't. A couple of months later, they were out of business. There's nothing tri- trickle down about that. That's trickle up. Rich people invest in businesses and maybe, maybe their investment trickles back up and they make money too. Oh, it's so frustrating um, that she gets away with that. And I would have thought that a businessman would have been able to articulate that in the heat of the moment there. He's got two more chances. Maybe you can do it better next time. one 888 33 93 Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
1: This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On
4: the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Mike Slater.
3: So I just put a video up on our Facebook page. Probably the one I'm most hesitant to ever post. Uh, but I was like, ah, what the heck. And the first comment is, I wish more people took the time to watch your videos. That's awesome. The first comment. I appreciate that. So now I'll stop watching it. You know, watching the comments. What are people going to say? First one positive. I'm done. I'm out. One person liked it. So it's good enough. Uh, it's on our Facebook page. You can search for the Mike Slater show on Facebook. Um, let's see what to do here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's chat about this. Let's give a little shout out to South Dakota. So, while every state, because we were just talking about economics here, so I'll give you another another economics lesson here, Uh, not a lesson story. Um, Every state is raising the minimum wage, right? Every state, every city is talking about it or doing it. South Dakota lowering it. How about that? Anyone under 18. The goal here is to lower the minimum wage from 8.55 to 7.50, and this is because the teenage unemployment rate is so high. It's high everywhere. Why is it high? Because no one will hire a teenager who has no experience and is generally difficult to employ. No one's going to hire that person for 8.50. That's it's too much money. So. Uh, that teenager will be unemployed. But now they may hire the teenager for $750. Even that seems a little high, but they might do that. Read an article the other day about, uh, on Huffington Post, about the wage gap between black people and white people in America. And it's the same, I mean, it's connected to minimum wage. Uh, it's a few things, right? The, the biggest one's probably. Um, educational differences because of our absolutely failed public school system. But it's also minimum wage. You put those two things together and lower skilled and lower educated people are less likely to ever get the first job because the minimum wage is too high. Let, let me make this more clear. Let's, let's spell it out. So let's take, uh, let's take Jim and Jerry. We got Jim and Jerry here. Race doesn't matter, but let's say Jim's black and Jerry's white. So Jim went to a terrible public school, awful abysmal public school and um it comes from a broken family so he's just got uh he doesn't have the soft skills that are necessary to be uh employable right doesn't show up on time have as much discipline etc. his labor is worth seven dollars an hour right that's how much that's how that's how much he can contribute to a company about seven dollars an hour uh, but the minimum wage is eight dollars okay well he's not going to get employed No one's going to employ him because they're going to lose a dollar an hour. Every time, every hour he works, they're going to lose a dollar. That doesn't, no, no one, no employer will do that. So he's going to be unemployed. Jim's out of a job. Great. Jerry, he went to a a little bit better school. So he's a bit smarter and uh, a bit more disciplined. Now his labor, it's worth $8. I mean, not that much more. It's worth $8 and the minimum wage is eight. So he'll get paid. He'll get a job. Great. Okay. Uh, So what's the wage gap between Jim and Jerry? Eight bucks. One's employed, one's not. One's worth zero dollars. One's making eight dollars an hour. A year goes by. Well, Jim still doesn't have a job. Why would he? He didn't. He didn't. He has no more experience than the year before. He's not any smarter, so he doesn't have a job. Jerry, he's showed up every day, so he's going to get a raise. He'll get a dollar raise, so now he gets nine dollars an hour. Uh, What's the wage gap between those two guys? It's nine dollars now. It's gone up. Wage gap's gone up. Oh my gosh! Headlines across the country: the wage gap between Jim and Jerry have gone up. Another year goes by. Jim still can't find a job. Why could he? He's not suddenly employable. Jerry, however, he keeps showing up. And actually, he lucked out. The guy who was above him uh, moved. So uh, he got a promotion just because he showed up. It's not because he's great. Just showed up. So now he's making $13 an hour. That's awesome. All right. So uh, Jim and Jerry, what's, how, what's the wage gap? Now it's 13 bucks. One's making 0 One's making $13. uh oh Wage gap went up. And it goes on and on and on like this. And Jim's never going to get a job. So I just did an example of two years. The wage gap went from um, $8 to $13. And it's only going to get worse and worse. Jim's never going to get a job. And Jerry's just going to keep working and keep making a little bit more here and there. So the wage gap's going to go up. That's that's, that's the wage gap. Now, how do we eliminate the wage gap? Well, you got to go back to the beginning of it. What started it? Why Why was the wage gap there in the first place? minimum wage it was because jim couldn't get that first job he couldn't get the first rung of the ladder it was taken away from him now let's say there was no minimum wage uh, jim remember his he, he was worth his labor was worth 7 dollars an hour okay but the minimum wage that doesn't it doesn't exist so that means an employer is going to pay him 7 dollars an hour now jerry he's going to get paid 8 dollars an hour what's the wage gap a dollar a year goes on, uh, a year goes by. Both are going to get a raise, a dollar raise. So what's the wage gap now? A dollar. Same. So let's say another year goes by, but but this year uh, we uh, whew, we are such a horribly racist country in every way that Jim doesn't get a raise because he's black and the owner of the company is super racist. But Jerry, he get, he does get a raise because he's white. So now what's the wage gap? Like $2. The wage gap was a dollar, now it's $2. One got a raise, one didn't. So yeah, you know you could talk about that wage gap and how racist that is, and it's fine. But uh, a two dollar wage gap is better than a thirteen dollar wage gap, isn't it? So the cause of a wage gap is almost always because you got to trace it back to the beginning of the employment. It's the ability of someone to climb onto the first rung of the ladder. If you make that impossible, then no one will ever get to the second rung. And the person who does get to the second rung is going to go to the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, and the wage gap is going to get even worse. So anyone who complains about a wage gap or a racial wage gap, that person cannot also be for minimum wage because it's the minimum wage, which is the beginning of the wage gap, which is what they're complaining about in the first place. There's nothing racist about it It's just basic economics. All right, so that's racism. I got a minute here. Let's do a little sexist story, too, right? A little racism, a little sexism all in one segment. It's great. Uh, uh, Barack Obama. Barack Obama said that, President Obama said that uh, Hillary's not winning because of sexism, because America is biased against powerful women. He says there's a reason. Why we haven't had a woman president. We as a society still grapple with what it means to see powerful women. And it still troubles us in a lot of ways unfairly. Uh, I wildly disagree. Absolutely disagree. Um, I guarantee you. If Margaret Thatcher. Former prime minister of England was on the ballot for the Republican Party. I guarantee you every single republican would be on board. <laughs> okay? We're not biased against powerful women. Did anyone not vote for um uh de- 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 de Carly Fiorina because she's a woman? I mean, is anyone like, "Oh, I'm turned off. I can't. I can't stand the powerful." One. No, no, that's ridiculous. Hillary's not uh, Hillary's not even a powerful woman. She's an untrustworthy woman. <laughs> I, I believe if if there was a female version of Barack Obama running for the Democrats this year, then she would win. And that's not Hillary. I mean, she's a female version of the worst person you know. But if if uh, Michelle Obama was running for president, I'm not even kidding. If Michelle Obama was running as a Democrat, she would probably win. And she's a female. But it's not, it's not that Hillary's a female, it's that she's Hillary. But anyway, here, here's a bigger picture about Sexism in America. Uh, doctorate degrees. People who earned doctorate degrees last year, for every 100 males, 107 women earned a doctorate degree. Doctorate degrees. For master's degrees, for every 100 men, 140 females. That's master's degrees. For all graduate degrees combined, for every 100 males, 100, 100 men, 134 women earned a, uh, a graduate degree. So way more women are earning graduate degrees than men, way more. And, and you know, presumably these are powerful women doing this. Is there discrimination against them? I mean, gosh, if anything, you can make a case that there's disparate impact against men in graduate fields. Not going to make that argument, of course, but enough with the nonsense that we're a, we're a horrible, racist, sexist country. It's just, it's just not true. one we will wrap it up here. Coming up next, Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
4: You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Mike Slater.
3: So, it looks like throughout the show, I've been, uh, during commercial breaks, been uh, monitoring what's going on here in El Cajon. So, there was a officer-involved shooting um, in San Diego here. El Cajon's city, just 10 minutes outside San Diego. Um, and Al Sharpton's group decided to host a rally, a march through the streets of El Cajon this afternoon. Uh, so, it looks like everything was peaceful. So the shooting was on Tuesday and every night it's gotten a little more sketchy, a little, little scarier, a little more violent, you know, people throwing bricks at cops. One, one cop got hit in the head, uh, with a bricks. So, um, I don't know. Marching in the streets. It's just never, 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 never ever made sense to me. And no matter what, I can't, I can't fathom a scenario where that makes any sense. I actually it was pretty close to one. Do you remember Andrew Tomarisi? Of course you do. remember the Marine. He was the Marine who was in a Mexican prison for like a year. Um, so I was here in San Diego, right? It all happened here in San Diego. And I remember we had a lot of listeners who said, Slater, we got to go down to the border, which is the busiest border crossing in the entire world. We got to go down to the border crossing between San Diego and Tijuana. And we got to shut it down. We're going to march in the streets. We're going to stop all the cars and trucks. From going And, and, and we're going to raise awareness. And that was, like, a lot of people thought that that's what we should do. And I said, guys, d- yeah, you'll raise awareness. Because people are going to say, why can't I get across the border? And, and then they're going to later find out it's because you get a bunch of knuckleheads wanting you to know about Andrew Tomarisi in prison. And then a bunch of people are going to say, good, they should be in prison. I hate whoever stopped me from going to work today or whatever. Right. Yeah. You'll get more awareness, but the people are just going to hate you. They're never going to turn on your cause because you marched in the street and, and prevented them from going to work or the hospital or wherever. I, I can't, I can't imagine a scenario where that makes any sense. The first, the morning after this all happened, there was a rally at the police station with like community leaders. Like, no, they weren't, these weren't just, you know, knuckleheads. These were community leaders. And there's one guy, he said, San Diego, you know, you've said that we don't have a Mike Brown. You've said we don't have a this. You know, we don't have that guy. But now we do. So now what are you going to do? He said, the eyes of the world are on you right now. What are you going to do now? And I heard that I said, oh, that is that is bad. That is the opposite of what we need right now, because it's as if people have been waiting for the opportunity to riot. Now I blame nationwide leadership as well for keeping tension so high that anything triggers that type of reaction, because as we said earlier in the show, this shooting in in San Diego is not the narrative that people want it to be. It's not this is not. A white officer rolls up on black guy, shoots him in the head. Like, this uh, this is not officer shoots unarmed black man. This is not. That's not what this is at all. This is black officer and Hispanic officer in one of the most diverse small cities in the entire country. Um, San Diego is where most Chaldeans, people from Iraq, um, have settled. It is an incredibly diverse area. Um, like, white people are a super minority. Um, it's a black black officer and Hispanic officer come up on guy who is black, who will not remove his hand from his pocket, who's pacing in, in an aggressive manner, does a quarter turn, spins around, stands in a shooting stance with his arms in front of him as if he has a gun with a vape in his hand, like a vape cigarette. Which has a three-inch long barrel, one inch diameter, looks exactly like a gun and quickly, and police officers, one shoots his gun, one shoots his taser and kills him. Like, that is not police shoot unarmed black man. That is not the narrative that people want it to be. It's horrible, it's sad, it's tragic, it sucks. I hate it, everyone hates it, but this is not a thing to riot. This is not that's not what this is. But you get people come out the next day who want it so badly to be the narrative, and they say, This is your chance to riot, essentially. This is your chance to cause trouble. I, I, all eyes on you. you. This is now your chance to outdo what people in other cities have done. This is your chance to outdo Ferguson, to outdo Charleston. When the tone should have been, all eyes are on San Diego. What are we going to do? How are we going to show that we're different? Not, can we outdo what every other city's done? How can we be different than other cities? Like what Charleston did after the the, the shooting there a couple years back, right? In the black church. And they had the unity bridge as a response. It was one of the, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my whole life. Right? The, the attitude needs to be, let's show the country how we are different. How we're going to do it right. Not how we're going to outdo how other cities did it wrong. And we're going to do it more wrong. What a shame. What a shame, because now all the attention's on, on rioters. And here in San Diego, the media, it's been on the rioters and the police and the protests and stuff, and not on the family. A family which, by the way, is begging for peace. A family which came to America in 1991 from Uganda fleeing war. And, and, the, and the mom did a press conference and said, you people here, you don't even know what it's like. You don't know what war is like. You don't know what real suffering's even like. So don't bring war here don't make it dangerous here we made a video about this just put it on our facebook page please check it out response seems to be pretty good so far and i was really excited about that because i thought it would not go over well uh we'll see when the slater haters get on it but i'd love it if you could watch it i think it's important you can search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. Hang out there all week as well. we got a vice presidential debate on Tuesday, which we're going to live stream. And also, uh, well, I'll see you before the next presidential debate. But Mike Slater Show on Facebook. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. See you on Saturday. Spread the word.
1: You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.